RT8K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Police are reportedly about to bail national security suspects Jimmy Lai and Agnes Chow. People gather to protest over the arrests, but police warn them they could be breaching the security law themselves. And Beijing decides all lawmakers can stay on in LegCo for at least another year. Now the polls have been postponed. Reports say Jimmy Lai and Agnes Chow, who were both arrested yesterday under the national security law, are going to be released on police bail tonight. Apple Daily said Mr Lai would be allowed to leave Mongkok Police Station once the bail procedures were finalised. Meanwhile, activist Joshua Wong said Ms Chow, a former party mate in the now disbanded Demazisto, would be released shortly from Taipo Police Station. Mr Lai and Ms Chow were among six people arrested yesterday on suspicion of colluding with foreign forces. Police have dispersed protesters at various shopping malls as people responded to calls to demonstrate over the national security arrests. People held up copies of Apple Daily and chanted slogans at shopping centres, including Langham Place in Mongkok, Shotin's Newtown Plaza and Times Square in Causeway Bay. Some officers at Langham Place were armed with long guns and large numbers of young people were stopped and searched. Outside the mall, police used pepper spray and displayed a purple banner warning people they could be violating the national security laws. Members of the NPC Standing Committee have unanimously agreed to allow all Hong Kong lawmakers to stay on in the Legislative Council now that the elections have been postponed until September next year. This includes four pro-democracy incumbents, Dennis Kwok, Alvin Young, Kwok Kaki and Kenneth Lung, who had been barred from the next polls. The Standing Committee says serving legislators can continue to perform their duties for no less than one year, and the subsequent LegCo term will last for four years as normal. The President of the Legislative Council, Andrew Leung, welcomed the decision and says he hopes lawmakers will discharge their duties properly. In the midst of the current pandemic, Hong Kong is facing severe economic hardship. I hope that members across the political spectrum could put aside political differences and communicate with a rational attitude to discharge their constitutional duty and use a pragmatic approach to resolve our economic and livelihood issues to the best interests of the community. Pan-Democrats say they haven't decided if they will return to LegCo and they want to gauge public opinion first. A joint statement from the 22 legislators says the government shouldn't have postponed this year's election and turned to Beijing for a solution as this circumvented the SAR's constitution. They say extending the current term for no less than one year is a clear violation of the basic law which states LegCo terms are for four years. They add that 4.5 million people have been deprived of the right to vote for their LegCo representatives and the council won't have the mandate of the people in the coming year. There was a significant drop in the number of new coronavirus infections today with 33 new cases, fewer than half the 69 recorded yesterday. Not long ago, Hong Kong was seeing more than 100 new infections day after day. But Dr Chuan Shukwan from the Centre for Health Protection cautioned against reading too much into today's fall. Although we had 33 cases today, but uh, we still have around 50 uh, preliminary positive cases. 
So um, I hope the trend will continue with all the efforts from the community as well as from the government. But still, there are lots of unknown cases in the community. I mean, even in today, we have at least 15 unknown cases. So that signifies there are lots of uh, silent transmission in the community. There are fears that a cluster of cases at Kwong Wah Hospital has grown further, with tests on a nurse there coming back positive. Government pandemic adviser Yoon Kwok Young has carried out an inspection at the hospital and says its infection controls are good. He thinks one of the patients, an elderly man, could be to blame for the outbreak there. All the patients are supposed to be wearing masks, but we now find that, especially the first case, he is not wearing the mask. Many a times he is not compliant. And he often pull off the mask and shout at people. And I believe that that is the most important reason why this outbreak starts. Professor Yearn warns that more patients at Kwong Wah could condemn with the coronavirus, though tests so far are coming back negative. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Hong Kongers have snapped up copies of Apple Daily to show their support for the pro-democracy newspaper after its founder, Jimmy Lai, was arrested and its headquarters raided by police yesterday. Timmy Sung reports. Outside MOT MTR station, business has rarely been so great for newsstand owner Mr. So. He has been in the trade for some 30 years. He says he received a thousand copies of Apple Daily, as opposed to the dozens he usually gets in. If they sell well, of course I'll place another order. Doing business is as simple as that. If it wasn't, why would I do it? You see, no one is buying other newspapers, only Apple Daily. It is just her mentality and it won't last, he says, and people are afraid Apple Daily may fold. But for some, finding a copy of the newspaper was quite a task. Nevertheless, many said they wanted to make their stance known to Beijing. As far as I know, uh, Apple Daily is the only uh, newspaper that's uh, willing to tell the truth in Hong Kong. When is the last time you actually buy a newspaper? Ten years ago? No, I never bought, never bought one. Just for your support. Since I'm st- still a student, I want to buy all of them, but <laughs> I don't think I can afford that, so I just try my best about them. Because I'm going to work, so I will just uh, give it to my colleagues if they haven't bought it, or i just give out to random people. It's a way to tell the CCP government that we're, we're not afraid of you, and if you're going to oppress us on the freedom, we're just going to fight back harder, and I, I don't know what I can do, but the simplest thing is that uh, I can buy some newspaper. Apple Daily originally printed 350,000 copies to meet an expected surge in demand, which was five times more than it published about two weeks ago. But copies with the headline Apple Daily Must Fight On ran out quickly in many districts and the company printed an additional 200,000. There was even a queue outside one newsstand in Hong Kong as early as 2 o'clock in the morning. Long queues also formed outside a central restaurant owned by Jimmy Lai's son, who was among those arrested. This man says he's a regular customer, but he particularly wanted to show support today. Because I work in Central, but normally I come to here for lunch. But today I want to support them because Hong Kong is in a critical time, so I want to support them and also support his dad for the Apple Daily. 
Um, I mean, is the line usually this long? I think it's not usually that, that long. I think just a few people waiting outside the restaurant. But today is, uh, I think it's more than 50 person waiting here. Yeah, so I'm still waiting uh, no matter uh, an hour or just half an hour. Are you going to make it in time like to finish your lunch during lunch time? <laughs> yes, I hope so. So I will maybe uh, buy the takeaway to to office. Normally, I will uh, sit inside to to enjoy my lunch. Veteran Democrat Lee Chuk-yan says he's not surprised that Hong Kong people are finding innovative ways to support Jimmy Lai and others detained under the national security law. The former lawmaker says social distancing rules mean protests aren't permitted, so the public have instead been buying up copies of Apple Daily and shares in Mr Lai's next digital group. People will have to find ways of their own to show their support. And one of the ways is the very surprise surge of the stock prices of Apple Daily. And the people buy the newspaper and, and try to upload the photo of their holding newspaper in order to show their support of press freedom and show the support of the Apple Daily. So I, I think people cherish a society which is very diverse and tolerant. But now Hong Kong is really very much being suppressed and narrowed down our space. And I think this is something people cherish and Hong Kong people will find a way to express that. Legal experts are saying that uh, the public may never know the details of the allegations against Jimmy Lai and the other arrested next media executives, as the authorities may declare state secrets are involved. We've also uh, heard from Chris Young saying the raid demonstrates that the police have been given too much power under the national security law. But can anything be done about any of this now? When they force upon the people of Hong Kong the national security law, you know, firstly, the law is so vaguely defined that, that it, you don't really know what it means and how it's defined. And we are also worried that even the, the courts in Hong Kong now, uh, the judges being appointed by the chief executive, and, and the judges also know very clearly well that any judgment from them can be reinterpreted by the National People Congress. So the interpretation, again, is not in Hong Kong. And the police had far more power than that of the usual Hong Kong procedure. Uh, for example, you know, in terms of whether uh, those arrested by under the national security law can be on bail, you know, it's a reversal of the burden. In, in other criminal cases, you can be on bail unless they are proved that uh, you, they are a possibility of abscond. But in national security law, it's the other way around. You will be not allowed bail unless you can prove that there's no danger of absconding. So it's really the total reversal. Lee Chukian there speaking to Mike Weeks. Some breaking news in the past minute or two. Uh, Agnes Chow has been released from Taipo Police Station. The de former Demosisto activist was arrested yesterday under the national security law. Jimmy Lai is expected to be released in the next few minutes as well. The head of the Next Media Trade Union has expressed concern that sources will stop talking to the newspaper after the police raided Apple Daily's offices yesterday. Damon Pang reports. Pun Pak Lam expressed concern that the public may feel unsafe talking to the newspaper after the police inspected news material during the raid. He said some of these items could include sensitive material and notes on ongoing investigative reports. Speaking on RTHK radio program, Mr Boone said this loss of trust could make it difficult for the newspaper to operate in future. 
He said it's not known whether police seized any news-related material during the raid. The union says it's worried about press freedom and possible interference in its editorial work in the long run. Mr. Poon also raised questions about the way the raid was carried out. Police say they presented a court warrant as they entered the building, but the paper's editor-in-chief, Ryan Law, says he didn't see it until more than an hour later. Mr. Poon said the warrant should have been presented to the person in charge, but Police Chief Superintendent on Public Relations, Kwok Ka Chin, insists that the operation was carried out in accordance with the law. He said the warrant was displayed throughout, including to Mr. Law, who arrived after the raid began. Mr. Kwok also says the area searched by officers were in line with what was stated in the court warrant. The government says it strongly objects to a new rule that Hong Kong-made products exported to the US will need to be labelled as made in China. The requirement to come into force in 45 days was spelled out in a US government notice and comes after Washington decided to end the SAR's special status following Beijing's imposition of the national security law here. The SAR government says the US is ignoring Hong Kong's status in the World Trade Organization and it doesn't rule out taking action under WTO rules, WTO rules to protect the SAR's interests. A 49-year-old woman and her 38-year-old boyfriend have been given community service for assaulting five people outside of Chungpano Mall last August. A fight erupted after the woman called some passers-by cockroaches, a term used by the police and pro-Beijing supporters, to describe anti-government activists. The pair had pleaded guilty to charges of assault. The woman was given 180 hours of community service and her boyfriend received 100 hours. Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu has told visiting US Health Secretary Alex Azar that Beijing is trying to turn the island into the next Hong Kong. At a joint media appearance in Taipei, Mr Wu said Taiwan is lucky to have friends in the United States to help fight for Taiwan's international space. He said this is not just about the island's status, but about sustaining democracy in the face of authoritarian aggression. Our life has become increasingly difficult as China continues to pressure Taiwan into accepting its political conditions. Conditions that will turn Taiwan into the next Hong Kong. During his visit, Mr. Azar has heaped praise on Taiwan's democracy and its success in battling the coronavirus. He has previously criticised Beijing's handling of the pandemic and its authoritarian model of government. A reminder of our top story tonight, a piece of breaking news. The activist Agnes Chow has been released from Taipo Police Station. She's been told to report back on September the 1st. Jimmy Lai is expected to be released shortly. People gather to protest over the arrest, but police warn them they could be breaching the security law themselves. And Beijing decides all lawmakers can stay in Lechko for at least another year. Now the poll has been postponed. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has hit out at international media, accusing them of jumping to conclusions that the arrest of media tycoon Jimmy Lay was politically driven. Mr Tong says anyone breaching the law is treated the same, even if they are a media boss. The barrister says crimes under the national security law have a high threshold of proof, and it's an insult to the police to say the charges are trumped up. He spoke to Damon Pang. I think it is strange that the media should jump to conclusion 
that the raid must be illegal, must be based on political considerations rather than real facts or evidence that a crime has been committed. I would have thought that the job of the media is to find out the truth and to report facts and not to jump to political considerations for the purpose of discrediting somebody whose political standpoint is different from yours. The Hong Kong Commissioner of the Foreign Ministry, as well as the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, they've both called Jimmy Lai a person who's colluded with foreign forces before charges have been laid. Do you think those comments are fair? The Commission is not the media. They're not reporting facts. They're merely stating their opinion. Like everybody else in Hong Kong, people can voice their opinion. You can't draw a comparison between ordinary people voicing their opinion from journalists speaking in the capacity of journalists. But the problem here is, would these comments from the Beijing officials actually affect the legal proceedings? I think our judicial system is far robust than that. I think our judges have faced far more severe pressure from all sides, and they, in the past, have demonstrated they're able to come out and maintain their independence, their neutrality in cases involving political considerations. So I'm not at all concerned that the judges may be affected, although I do urge all sides to take note that judicial proceedings probably have been commenced and people should not discuss the chances of success or whether the prosecution is right or not right for fear of affecting the independence of our judiciary. Another problem, the search warrant of the police in the Apple Daily building. The senior editors at Apple Daily were saying they did not see the warrants, at least initially they didn't see it, and that some parts of the building was being searched unlawfully. Like, who should be seeing search warrants when police officers enter a place that they should search? I I think law enforcement agency, when they're executing a search warrant, has no duty to parade the warrant to everybody on the scene. However, they must present the warrant to the person in charge of the place or in possession of the place and seek his cooperation and permission to enter the premises and to carry out the search. Anybody who disregard the direction of the warrant may be guilty of contempt of court. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong talking to Damon Pang. Polytechnic University says it has received around $18 million from the government under the Health and Medical Research Fund and will launch eight different studies and projects related to the coronavirus. As Priscilla Ung reports, one project involves the development of a handheld device that provides rapid COVID-19 testing. PolyU's Department of Health Technology and Informatics says it has already developed the prototype for the low-cost handheld device, but more tests are needed to ensure its effectiveness and accuracy. The department's head, Professor Yip Sheping, says test results can be obtained within 30 minutes and the device can be used in places where lab tests aren't readily available. The results can be obtained in about 30 minutes. Of course, if the amount of the virus enhances the the uh, nuclear acid uh, in the sample is higher. We expect that the positive can be obtained in a shorter time. And it's expected the, because of the hand, this machine is actually handheld, we've built in a, 
uh, factory. Basically, it can be used in sales. I mean, GPS office, uh, in airports, uh, in sort of uh, customs places. The handheld device is just one of eight projects that the university has embarked on thanks to the government funding. Others include studies on the design of drainage pipes in residential buildings, people's acceptance and the effectiveness of the government's anti-epidemic measures, as well as the rehabilitation process of COVID patients. Professor David Shum, Dean of the University's Faculty of Health and Social Sciences, says the rehabilitation study will be very comprehensive. I think in terms of the monetary aspect, I think the, the project on the rehabilitation is the biggest. And it's also the biggest in terms of the time because, you know, they involve 18 months and they do follow up as well. So it's not just a one-off cross-sectional kind of research, but it's also involved follow-up, which is very important. Professor Shum says most of the projects will be completed within two years. Priscilla Ung with that report. Brazil's COVID-19 death toll has passed 100,000. It has also recorded more than 3 million cases, making it the worst-hit nation after the United States. And the numbers remain stubbornly high, with around 7,000 people dying per week in Brazil. The BBC's Katie Watson reports from Sao Paulo. It's a twice-daily roll call at Dijes Atubal Municipal Hospital in eastern Sao Paulo. Families gather on the street while a member of staff reads out patients' names. It's the only chance for these people to hear any updates of their loved ones who are being treated for COVID-19 inside. Sao Paulo's eastern suburbs are mostly poor neighborhoods with some of the highest death tolls. This in the worst hit city in all of Brazil. One woman, Joycey Hamos, has stood outside the hospital every day since her mother, Janice, was admitted a month ago. Now intubated, Janice's case is a serious one, and it's not clear what her chances are of surviving. Janice's name is called out, and Joycey heads inside for an update, while others wait their turn. Fifteen minutes later, she has news. She's stable, but the future's uncertain, Joycey explains. There are days we see improvements, there are days when she regresses. We're fighting and we're praying. This is a thankless disease. Across the road, I meet cafe owner Luana Salsaviera. She's lived here 50 years. She's been witness to some very difficult moments. When people leave hospital, the community applauds. When they die, we mourn with the families. The saddest story was a 24-year-old woman who got COVID-19, and the baby also got the virus. He died just a week old, and then so did she. That was just last week. There are desperate stories here. Some people just collapse on the ground and cry. Across town, community health worker Sheila Pereira Santos has never been so busy. Dressed in a blue tabard, a mask and a visor, Sheila lives and works in another of the city's poor and badly hit areas, Brasilandia. Every day, she knocks on her neighbors' doors, checking how they're doing and handing out masks. To get to some of her neighbors, she has to squeeze down narrow alleyways. 
it's easy to see how the virus can spread in these packed-in neighbourhoods. So much of Shayla's job these past few months has been about health education. At the beginning, people were very resistant. They didn't want to wear masks. But when they started to see their neighbours getting COVID-19, some dying, others having difficulties, they started to take more care of themselves. Our work has been quite intense in that sense. Even so, the pandemic is just part of the fight to survive. Millions have lost their jobs and the poor, mostly unregistered workers, are the worst hit. It's a pattern repeated across Latin America. Just off the main road at the entrance to the favela is what looks like a little river, but it's actually an open sewer. And when it rains, it floods and it's winding its way through houses, red brick structures, very simply built, two or three storeys high. And you can see waste pipes coming out of every house and the waste is just dropping into this water. Basic sanitation certainly isn't a given here. There's no stopping COVID-19. From Brazil to Colombia, Peru to Mexico, Latin America has more than 5 million cases. Brazil, the most troubling example of a virus not yet under control. And that report was by the BBC's Katie Watson. The main challenger in Sunday's disputed presidential election in Belarus, Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, has fled to Lithuania. The country's foreign minister tweeted that she was safe. In Belarus, protests continued for a second day against the landslide victory declared for President Lukashenko. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford has the details. Svetlana Tikhanovskaya went missing after lodging an official complaint about the election result. She was quoted saying, I've made my decision, but nobody could confirm her whereabouts for many hours. Now, the foreign minister of neighbouring Lithuania says she's there and safe. How that happened isn't clear yet. On Monday, the KGB security service in Belarus claimed it had foiled a plot to assassinate the opposition candidate and make her a sacrificial lamb for protesters. At a press conference in Minsk, she seemed nervous, slightly unsure. The same day, she told the BBC she was scared. Protests have erupted for a third consecutive day in Beirut, despite the government's resignation yesterday. Anger continues to mount over last week's deadly explosion that killed more than 200 people. The BBC's Tom Bateman reports from Beirut. How do you rebuild a city reduced to this? Where friends fill vans to remove whole chunks of their neighbours' homes. And street after street glistens with glass that rain down. Timber splinters as two men try to free a crushed car from its axle. Do-it-yourself disaster recovery in a city which gave up on its leaders. My name is Fadi, I'm a Lebanese citizen, and it's been four days I've been supporting the supporters, the volunteers, with the PPE equipment so that they can work. So in theory, we're helping the helpers, since I'm an engineer and I work in construction. So if you take a look, see that balcony over there? Yeah. That's, that's, almost, that's almost another projectile falling from 30 floors down over there on the other building. Oh, there's, right there. there's a huge high-rise, you mean, here? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So what we're doing as well, since, uh, we're, I'm working with other friends, engineers, where we're tagging those and then sending them among each other and whoever has a, a, a small working team can go and connect with them and remove. You don't see many troops around here, at least not involved in the recovery effort. 
They're busy guarding the port, the blast's epicenter, where at the weekend the army cooled off the rescue phase of the search, saying it hadn't found any survivors. We tried everything. We're begging the government, please help us. Please do your job so they can come out. Hassan Hazruti worked on the port's grain silos for nearly 40 years. He knew them well, says his daughter Tatiana. He would hide inside to keep safe during Lebanon's civil war. Now she just wants to hear his stories again. I believe that he will come back, that he is waiting for us. My father is superb. I love him so much. Everyone loved him. He is so kind. He loves everyone. He is so brave, and I think he will be fine if we find him now. At the family's home, the page on the wall calendar hasn't been turned over since the day he last left for work, the 4th of August, a week ago. We did not even get a chance to say goodbye. But we are still waiting for them to all come back. Many people you speak to say the same thing about why masses of explosive chemicals were left in the heart of a city and their total lack of faith in the authorities to deal with the aftermath, endemic corruption, a state that can't be trusted. In fact, it was broadly the message even of the Prime Minister, Hassan Diab, as the entire government resigned last night. He blamed years of cronyism and mismanagement before his time in office. We will take one step back and stand with the people, he said. But it didn't quell the fury on Beirut streets with more protests last night. Back with the engineer Fadi and his friend Mark, they believe their neighbours have paid for Lebanon's problems with their lives. The blast took everything. The metal was torn like paper. It was crazy. What about your neighbours, your friends here? Everybody. Two persons died in front of uh, our store. One uh, waitress at Serrano and one uh, called Christelle Adam. She was living just in front of us. So what next for you? That's your business, your livelihood, your best friends? see who can uh, give us help try to rebuild. Yeah, rebuild and continue. Yeah, yeah, we're survivors. Yeah, yeah that's what we do. Those stories were part of the NewsRup programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, don't hold gatherings or join large-scale activities. Event organizers should adopt contingency measures to postpone or cancel events or temporarily close facilities. The public should avoid crowded places as far as possible. Don't host or join gatherings with family and friends. Find an open space to stretch. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. Radio 3 Weather. A look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Cloudy with occasional showers and thunderstorms. Temperatures will range between 27 and 31 degrees and winds will be moderate south to southeasterlies. The outlook will be the occasional showers and thunderstorms on Thursday and fewer showers in the following couple of days, becoming very hot early next week. Currently, the air quality health index is low, with readings of 1 and 2. At the observatory, the air temperature is 30 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 85%, and the thunderstorm warning remains in effect. Oh, 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 oh.
Back to the music now. Simon Wilson sitting in for the world's most durable DJ, Uncle Ray, playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. If there's something you'd like to hear, get in touch. Two double three double eight two six six is the number. Coming up before one, all sorts of goodies, including Stevie Wonder, Engelbert Humperdinck, Linda Ronstadt. Some sweet 